Ephesians chapter 1 is where we're going to be today. We're continuing our series entitled Under Oath. Um, Under Oath, walking through the non-negotiables of the Christian uh, faith, non-negotiables of the Christian life, what we believe as uh, Christians. Uh, And uh, this morning we are looking at the important topic of the exclusivity of Christ, the fact that Jesus is Uh, The only way, I I believe Brother Sean McDowell highlighted it perfectly, went through it perfectly, right, on why Jesus is the only way. Um, He's the only one that had an answer to the problem. Every other uh, religion gives you, uh, you know, tools and uh, quick fixes, right, Uh, but they don't answer or address the the true problem, which is the sin-sick heart. Uh, And Jesus is the only remedy uh, for that. And so uh, we're going to look at uh, a passage uh, in Ephesians 1. Uh, where Paul is writing, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to uh, these churches, uh, well, one main church in Ephesus, right? Uh, the Gentile um, uh, megachurch is what many have called it, right? Uh, writes this, uh, essentially this doxology, this uh, uh, attitude of praise, right, uh, to uh, God and reminds the Ephesian church on why they have a reason to praise uh, him. And spoiler alert, the reason why they have to praise him is because, man, they are in him. They are saved. And bless God, we have a reason to praise uh, today as uh, well. And so I believe uh, this text here answers uh, why uh, Jesus is uh, the only way, uh, as well as many other texts. But, uh, but we're going to go ahead and read together Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verses 3 through 14. If you're there, let me know that you're there by saying there. All right, and again, this is Paul writing to uh, the the church at Ephesus and uh, in turn writing to uh, us, God's words to uh, us today. And so this is what the word of the Lord says. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him. Pay attention to that phrase in him. We'll see it all throughout this discourse. Uh, Blessed us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved verse 7 in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight And making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. Verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed 
with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Paul writes that God is worthy of all praise, honor, and glory, right, because of the fact that he made a way for us to be brought back together in him. And so those of us who are in Christ are in him. And if we're in him, man, we have many spiritual blessings that have been given to us. And so with that being said, I've entitled the message simply this this morning. In him. In him. Why don't we pray together? Lord God, we love you. God, we thank you for that phrase. In him and all that that means. All that that entails for a child of God. Lord, in him. God, you have so richly blessed us, taking care of us, Lord, in him. God, I pray over these next few moments that you'd speak to us, Lord, for those who are not yet in Christ, Lord. I pray that you would convict and draw to yourself, Lord, that they would respond in repentance and faith, Lord. I pray for those that know you that are in you, Lord, I pray that they would choose, man, to respond in worship, not just with their lips, but with their life, Lord. As we just sang, Lord, a love so amazing, love so divine, Lord, it demands, God, our whole life. And so, Lord, I pray that we would respond Lord, to this discourse. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we ask these things all in your gracious and heavenly name. And all God's people said, amen. And amen. We can speak, church, to the validity of the exclusivity of Christ because of this doxology, this uh, word that Paul gives to the church at Ephesus. Man, he speaks to the fact that it is in Christ that we have all of these uh, spiritual blessings, right? In Christ, we have all of these uh, many things, right, that we possess as believers. And he's writing this to encourage the church at Ephesus to, in turn, choose to praise. Uh, choose to praise, and in the same way, I hope that that would be our response, that we would choose to praise him. And so the question may be, Pastor Irv, man, what do we see here? Uh, what do we have in Christ? What do we possess in Christ? Well, I'm glad you asked, man. That's a good question. We see here, man, in the text, we possess two uh, main things, right? Two main things that we possess in Christ together. We'll walk right through it. It's right here in the text. Two main truths, right? Two main things that we possess in Christ. The first thing that we possess in Christ is that of salvation. Hallelujah. How many of you are glad that you're saved today? How many of you? Oh, oh man, just a few of you? Hey, listen, I'll be excited for you. Hey, I'm fired up, the fact that I'm saved. Hey, because we are in Christ, we are saved. We're saved. We have salvation in Him, right? In Christ, man, we have received salvation. It's like that old hymn, Brother Ed. Man, I've been sending hymns to uh, Brother Ed and Miss Phyllis. Love hymns. Grew up, you know, Baptist church. And so, man, this hymn God put on my heart as well. I think I sent it to y'all. Man, that old hymn, I'm saved, right? By his power divine. Y'all remember that? I'm saved to new life sublime. And, man, hey, I know that life is now so sweet and my joy is so complete. Hey, I'm saved. Saved, Brother Jeremy. I am saved. And what Paul is wanting to share with the Ephesian people, man, is that, hey, they are saved. What does that entail? What does that mean? What, what does that mean for us in here? Well, it means a couple of different things. We'll walk through those here in a minute. But 
I, I want to go ahead and pause for a minute and, and talk through some, you know, we've been going deep with the Sunder Oak series, talk through uh, another, uh, quote unquote, deep, you know, theological thought that uh, has permeated right amongst, uh, you know, the, the church world today. Obviously, it's been around for a while, but it's really uh, grown, uh, you know, over the last you know, 20, 30 years. Right, uh, a thought, you know, if you know, you've probably heard of it before, but uh, a thought that pertains to some of these words that we see here and pertains to, right, how God uh, acts, right? Uh, there, there are some folks that, uh, that uh, lean, right, uh, hyper is what we would call it, you know, that believe that when you see words like chosen, elected, predestined, that essentially that means that, okay, God is, you know, picked and some, chosen some individuals, right, to, to be saved, and has picked and chose some kind of individual, you know, other individuals to end up going to hell. You've probably heard the statement before. God has predestined people to uh, hell. It's kind of like, you know, their thought is, you, you know, God is one of the team captains, and there's another team captain, right, and they're picking and choosing based on uh, ability, right, validity, right, and, and some folks, you know, first-round pick because of who they are, and others, Man, end up not getting picked, end up having to wait. You've probably been there before, not gotten picked for a team. I know I have, right? I'm sitting, you know, and I end up not getting picked, and I'm waiting for the next game, and then I get passed over, and all of a sudden I'm sitting there moping and crying, Brother Damon, because I hadn't gotten picked. You probably never had any issues with that, you know, getting picked to play. But that's neither here nor there. I'm just kind of venting right now. But that's how folks think. You know, that's how folks feel, you know, about uh, or what, what some folks have their thought of about what God does in relation to salvation. But, but, but here's the, the deal. Here's a couple of issues with that. I, I just don't see that being the nature of, right, uh, this Jesus that we read in the Scripture. Here's a couple of issues with uh, this thought of God picking some for heaven, some for hell. Number one, right, the context of Ephesians chapter 1 is that Paul is writing to a group of people. He's not writing to individuals. He's, he's writing to a group, right? All, all the language there is, is, is in the plural form. And so he's writing to a group of people, first and foremost. Number two is this, is that he's writing to a certain kind of people. Like I mentioned earlier, right, uh, Ephesus, right, the church at Ephesus was a, uh, the Gentile megachurch of that time. You've got people that are in this church, Brother Greg, that have been told their whole life, man, they're not good enough to come to God because they don't follow these set rules or, or, or you know, uh, meet a set, set standard or they're not of a certain heritage. And so what Paul is communicating here is this. Hey, Gentile believers, man, you have been, cho- God has chosen you as well from the foundation of the world, man, to be a part of. Man, this family with him. It's not just the Jews that he chose. You're a part of a being chosen as well. Part of being chosen as well. And so what that means is this. Here it is. I, I'll, I'll wrap it up this way. What that means is this is understanding, right, that Paul isn't saying that, man, hey, God has elected some to heaven and and some to hell, or has chosen some to heaven and some to hell. What Paul is saying is this, hey, those that are a part of the chosen or those that are a part of the elected are a part of that because they've placed their faith and trust in the elected one. Maybe you missed it. I'll say say it one more time. Maybe maybe it went over your head. Hey, those that are a part of, man, the elect or the chosen are those that have placed their faith and trust in the elected one. The, the one that fa- placed their faith and trust in Christ. Right? It, it, it's through that. It's through him. And, and what Paul is communicating is that these Gentile believers now are a part of the family as well. It's along with the Jews. And so, to go back to the illustration I gave just a second ago, it, it's not, hey, you know, God is one team captain and the devil's another, right? And, and he's just picking and choosing which one. No, no. It's this. Jesus is the one team captain. And he says, you know what? Anyone 
has the opportunity to come be a part of my team if they choose to repent and place faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Anyone has the opportunity. That's what Paul is sharing here. The Gentile believers, man, it would have been unbelievable for them to hear the fact that, man, that God from the beginning of the world, man, hey, thought of them whenever he rolled out his plan, man, for folks to be brought back to him. And it's true, he did. He thought of them, and hey, he also thought of you. Thought of you. And so what does that mean for us in here? It's this simple fact that, yes, does God choose or we chose God? The answer is yes. Somehow, man, in the midst of God's plan, hey, he, he knew from the foundation of the world, man, who was going to be a part of his family. Somehow he works in that. But somehow, man, hey, there's an opportunity that anyone has to be able to respond to the gospel by choosing to repent and place their faith and trust in him. I wanted to make sure to clear that, make sure that, that, that you guys know that, man, because it's dangerous, dangerous to... Have a thought, man, that, that is so far where, hey, oh, yeah, hey, I'm, hey, I'm, one, of, hey, I'm one of the special ones, man. I'm one of the special ones. Hey, I, hey, I've been chosen. Hey, sorry, buddy, man. Hey, you're not a part of the group, man, not a part of the team. Then, no, no, on this side of eternity, hey, anyone has an opportunity to respond to the gospel. And so the call for us is to share with him. Brother Dale, I didn't mean to get so worked up, but we're already here. Uh, we're already here, and so let's go ahead and walk through again. I just wanted to make sure to highlight, right, that doctrine there. Let's go ahead and walk through again salvation. What is it? What, what does salvation entail for the child of God? Those of us in here who know Christ, man, what does salvation entail? Number one, right, it entails this. It's understanding that, man, in salvation we have been adopted into his family. We've been adopted into his family. He uses this word, hey, from, from the beginning, uh, verse 5, in love, man, he, pre- he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Christ Jesus. His plan, man, from the beginning. Right, man, he knew, man, we were going to fall, man. His plan from the beginning was to make a way for us to be adopted into his family. And by the way, like I said, it's not just for the Jews, right? It, man, it's for the Gentiles, for all of us. All of us have an opportunity to be adopted into his family. In order to understand the significance of that statement, we've got to know and understand, man, what Roman adoption looked like back in that time. Maybe you're unfamiliar with it, man. Back in, you know, back in the, you know, Roman, you know, first century Rome there, right? Biological uh, families, man, were, weren't really thought highly of, right? As a matter of fact, man, as a, you know, biological parent, you could disown your child. If they were cutting up, you can disown your child if you didn't want them anymore and just move on. But adoption was something totally different, totally different, right? With adoption. Right. It was a serious deal with adoption. Two things took place. Number one, the child, that child that was adopted was freely chosen by the parents and desired by them, desired by them because it was a big step, which leads to the second thing. Right. Adoption. Right. It understood that that child would be a, become a permanent part of the family. Hey, the parents couldn't disown a child that they Adopted. So it was a serious deal. An adopted child, right? Hey, they they now took on a new identity. They were different. They were changed. Right? And they were now permanently a part of that family. And hey, in the same way, man, hey, in salvation, we have now become a part of God's family. We have been adopted. Say, Pastor, what does that mean? What are you talking about there? Bible says, hey, before we knew Christ, we were enemies of him. Enemies of him, far off from him. It doesn't matter how many times you went to church or, or how good of a person you were. Man, you were an enemy 
of God. In another, in another place, it says that, man, we were slaves to him. But, man, in Christ, now we have been adopted into his family. That's a huge deal. Huge deal. And now we, we go from a, being a slave to being a son. And not just a son, but an heir, as the book of Galatians talks about. And so, man, our response, man, ought to be, man, to be fired up about that. Be fired up about it and understand that, man, hey, we are now a part of his family. Family. You may be in here and you may not come from a good family. May not, hey, may not have a good father, biological father. or You might have walked through some tough stuff in your life. But, hey, if you're in Christ, hey, not only do you have a good father, hey, you've got a perfect one. Hello. Hello, that preacher there, you got a perfect God the Father. We are now a part of his family. Man, amazing love. How can it be that you, my king, would die for me? Man, his death, man, allowed us to be adopted into his family. Man, may that never grow old, man. Didn't deserve it. None we, hey, none we did to deserve, man, having that place adopted into his family. But he adopted us. And so, man, hey, that's first part of salvation that what Paul highlights there, man. In him, we've been adopted into his family. Secondly, man, hey, I'm going to get fired up here. Hey, y'all might not get fired up, but I'm going to. I'm going to celebrate a little bit, Brother Chris. It's all good. Hey, secondly, we see here that not only have we been adopted, we have been redeemed. Redeemed in Christ. Verse 7 says that. Says it. Look, look back at it. It says, in him, in Christ. Man, through us being saved, man, through placing our faith and trust in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. That word redeemed simply means to be set free by paying a price. Jesus's death on Calvary's cross paid the price for our sin that we couldn't pay on our own. And so now if we place our faith and trust in him, we are, man, free. We're free in him. Hey, by the way, talking about the exclusivity of Christ. That, that, hey, that's why Jesus is the only way. That's why he's the only way. Your good works aren't good enough. Man, hey, other religions, they, they aren't enough. They aren't good enough. Man, it's through the shed blood of Christ. Jesus had to shed his blood so our sins could be forgiven. And that's what Paul highlights here. Man, in him we have been redeemed. Man, been bought with a price. Man, hallelujah. I'm glad that I've been redeemed. I love, again, going back to... Uh, Roman culture, first century, right? The redeem, man, big statement here. Big statement here. In, in Rome, right, there were around 60 million slaves, man, in the empire at that time. And often, man, these slaves were bought and sold, man, like pieces of furniture around that time. But the neat thing was, hey, you could buy a slave and then choose, man, to let them go free as you choose. Buy a slave and choose to let them go free. And hello, hey. That's exactly, man, what God did for us in Christ. Man, hey, he, he bought us back man, from sin, man, released us, and now we are free. What are we free from, man? Hey, we're free from the law. Galatians 5.1 tells us, man, hey, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Man, so don't go back into a yoke of slavery, right? Free from this a thought of, man, having to try and figure it out on our own to be made right with God, following these set of rules or, or following these set of commandments. Paul's, Paul told the church there, there are some false teachers that were saying, hey, you got to do all this stuff plus knowing Jesus. Paul says, no, 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 that's not it. It's not it. Hey, you're in Christ. So, man, hey, you're a part of the family. You're in him. And so choose to walk with him. We are free from the law. Romans 6 tells us we're free from the slavery of Sin, man, Bible says, man, we were enslaved to sin, slave to sin. 
But in Christ, man, he's freed us man, from the bondage of sin. Man, I'm going to keep going. Colossians 1 tells us, hey, that we've been free from the power of Satan and the domain of darkness. You know what that means? No, that means that simply means this, that, hey, hey, in Christ, we can say no when temptation comes knocking at our door. Hello. Hey, the power of sin, man. Hey, no longer, no longer there in Christ. Now, hey, that's not that's not me saying, hey, we could do whatever we want, man, and flirt around sin like I've said before. Hey, listen, you could try and dance with the devil if you want, but he'll always take the lead in the dance and take you in places you don't want to go. We're still in this old flesh. But listen, hey, in Christ, we can say no when temptation comes knocking. We're not enslaved to sin anymore. That's not our master. Jesus is. And so, man, we could choose to follow him, man. Colossians 1, we're, we're free from the power of Satan and darkness. Man, wait, we are freely forgiven. Freely forgiven, man. Psalm 33, 12. Blessed is the man whose sins have been forgiven. Hallelujah, man. Sins have been forgiven. Psalm 103, 12. Hey, our sins, man, are, have been forgiven as far as the east is from the what? The west. Forever forgiven, man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And man, his grace is so, has, has been shown in such a mighty way, man, in our life, man. We have been redeemed we've been redeemed and then thirdly and lastly right what does this salvation mean right it means this that we have been enlightened enlightened we've been in christ man we've been brought to understanding right the mystery of his will right for mankind but also man it is the mystery of his will in our life as well that's what it says verse 9 making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. We have been enlightened right to understanding, man, his will for our life in Christ. I don't know if you guys have, have followed this for a while. I stumbled upon this a couple weeks ago. But how, how many of you guys are familiar with the uh, the meme? Um, uh, I was today years old when figured out. Y'all know about that? Y'all are, Yeah. Listen, I, man, I, it's, it's a black hole, man. I've been sucked in and I've read a lot of them, seen a lot of them, right? And there's several that I, that I saw, man, I wish I could re- recall all of them. But one, I remember in particular, spoke to, uh, right in your car, you know, the little, uh, you know, uh, the little uh, uh, cover, right, that you pull down. Obviously, you could use it as a mirror, but the little cover that you pull down to, you know, to, to block the sun, right? I found out, you know, and I was today years old, if you will, that, man, there's a little extension piece that you can pull out. Man, hey, that, that, you know, gives you, gives you more of a covering. I didn't know what that thing was. To be honest, I mean, I think in one of my other cars, I thought it was just something that took up space, so I just broke it off. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't think there was any need for it. I was like, man, this may be an extra compartment or something. I don't even know. But I was today years old, whatever, I, I figured that out. You know, before then, I had no idea. And perhaps you're in here and, and in the same way, whenever it comes to God's will, Man, you feel like you're in that place too, trying to figure out what, what his will is for your life. Well, well I'll go ahead and tell you. Listen, I, you know, I'm not, you know, you know, any kind of prophet or anything. I'm just telling you what, you know, what the word says. Right? His general will, obviously his general will's will for all mankind, man, is, man, for, I mean, it's the gospel, essentially. It's for folks to come to know him. First Timothy 2 4 says that he, he desires, man, that all would come to presence. None, none would perish, but all would come to know him his will from the beginning of time man was to make a way for folks to be brought back to him it's his general will but his specific will man what what, what is god's will for you personally what what's, what's god's will for your life 
I've heard it said like this before, Sister Diane. I've heard it said like this. If you want to get to know, man, God's will, get to know God. That might have gone over your head. I'll, I'll say it on this side here. No, no, it's you know, super profound, Pastor Greg, but I'll go ahead and say it again. Hey, if, if you want to get to know God's will for your life, hey, get to know God. Hey, spend time with him. As we talk about every single week, hey, spend time, man, in prayer, seeking his face. By the way, not just his hand, seeking his face. Man, seeking him. Man, spend time in his word. Man, reading his word. Man, sp- hey, spend time in solitude, listening. From, hey, have a big decision trying to figure out what's next in, in your life. Man, hey, see God. See God, amen, and wait for him to give direction. Hey, and by the way, there are times, man, where he just says, hey, all right. I'm giving you peace about taking this step forward, man. So take that step forward in obedience. There's times where it feels like he paints it in the sky for you. There's other times where, man, you've got to wait a little while. But, hey, if you want to get to know, man, God's will, man, get to know him. And here's the beautiful thing. In salvation, we can. We can. We can. Man. We have been enlightened. Been enlightened. And we can know, man, his will for us. Salvation, man. In Christ, we have salvation. We've been adopted, been redeemed, and we've been enlightened. And then secondly and lastly, hey, what do we have in Christ? Listen, hey, we have security. Eternal security. Amen. Hey, I'm thankful for that. Eternal security. You say, Pastor, where do you see that? I'm glad you asked. Look back at the text. Verse 11 says this, in him. We have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Paul is stating that, hey, in Christ, now we have an inheritance. And then he goes on to say in verse 13, in him. And by the way, that inheritance, I'm going to throw this in free charge. That inheritance is one that, man, hey, we can walk in now. We don't have to wait till we die to walk in it. Man, we can walk in it now. Walk in it now. Verse 13, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. In Christ, we have eternal security like that old hymn. Hey, we can lean on the everlasting arms. Why? Because we are safe and secure from all Alarmed. Man, we have security. How do we have security? Number one, it says this, that, hey, we have security because we've been sealed by the Spirit. Sealed by the Spirit. A seal back in Roman times is similar to how it was, uh, you know, uh, today, right? Uh, you, uh, cargo was sealed before shipping uh, or letters were sealed to guarantee the validity of uh, the contents. A seal ultimately, man, conveyed uh, authorship, right, authority and ownership. Conveyed the fact that, man, hey, we belong to somebody. Belong to somebody. And it verified that reality that we belong to him. And and what Paul is saying, hey, in this case, those of us who are in Christ, right, hey, we've been sealed by his spirit. So it is confirmation that we are his. We're his. And by the way, we're his and he's never going to let us go. Never going to let us go. And so you want to know if you are in him? Today, some of you may be struggling, you know, spiritually trying to figure out whether or not, you know, you, you know him, right? You may have some doubt that comes up. You want to know that you're in him? Hey, is the spirit of God at work in your life? 
Do you, do you possess the Spirit? Hey, are the fruits of the Spirit being bore out of your life? Right? We are sealed by the Spirit. Sealed by the Spirit. And it is a marker, man, of the fact that we belong to Him. Sealed by the Spirit. And then secondly, right, how, how, do, how are we secure in Christ? Man, we have a guarantee. Guarantee or a down payment is another way to say that. Right, the Holy Spirit, what Paul is saying, the Holy Spirit is a down payment for the believer of what is to come. Right, it's essentially this first installment of salvation. Now, you know, again, I've said before, whenever we receive Christ, right, man, hey, we receive the, I mean, the Holy Spirit full in our heart and life. Man, the Holy Spirit comes, the third person Trinity comes to live in us. Right, but that's the first installment. We're still in this old flesh and bone, still in this old body. One day, hey, God, hey, we are going to be renewed. We're going to get our glorified body and be with him forever. And so what Paul is saying this, hey, you can rest assured that you are secure in Christ Jesus because you have the Holy Spirit. And Philippians 1, 6, hey, he who began a work in you will see it to completion until the day of his coming again. And so, man, we can rest assured that we are secure, man, because the Spirit of God is in us and with us we have eternal security strong security evidence of growth in the christian life right evidence of the fact that we belong to jesus is the transforming work of the holy spirit in our life by the way it's not about the letter of the law some folks think that they're secure in jesus because of quote unquote the letter of the law what they know I mean, it's good to know stuff, but it's interesting. Paul didn't say that that was a marker of them belonging to Jesus. It's not necessarily all about what you know. Some folks think that, man, they're secure in Jesus because of where they came from or their heritage, brother Ed. But that's that's not what he said here. Hey, the mark of, man, knowing that we're in Christ, man, is the Spirit of God at work in our life. Possessing the Spirit. And so is the Spirit of God at work in your life. And I'm not talking about, hey, you know, I've said it before, hoop, you know, hooping and hollering, running around, shouting, you know, having a quote-unquote experience. You know, I'm, I'm talking about in the everyday, man. Hey, God taking the lead in your life. Leading you. Hey, guiding you. Right? Some of these fruits of the Spirit, like I mentioned, being bore out of you. huh? Love, joy, peace, patience. Hey, that, that stuff being bore out of you. That's showing That evidence, uh, man. Have that evidence in your life that you belong to Him. Man, and if you do, hey, you are His and His forever. Eternal security. We are secure in Him. As I close, right, the exclusivity of Christ. Do, can we say that Jesus is the only way? Paul, in this discourse, man, Shares all of this stuff, all these spiritual blessings, right? All this stuff about new life in Ephesians 1, man. He says, man, it's in the context of being in him. And so we can confidently say that, man, hey, it's, it's in Jesus, man. It's only in Jesus. He's the only way back to God. You've probably seen some of these uh, stickers before. I wish I had a picture of it, but um, those coexist stickers. 
Y'all seen some of those coexist decisions, by the way? Yeah, yeah, I'm not trying to, you know, cause a, cause a rule or a stir or anything, you know, about that, but you've seen, you've seen some of these coexist stickers, right? And, and obviously the, the stickers, uh, really the main point of the sticker is to, um, you know, essentially preach and proclaim that, man, all, all religions, all people of all religions, backgrounds, man, can, um, can live together in peace. That's kind of the, the purpose of it. And, you know, within the coexist sticker, it has symbols of the different religions, Islam, um, Taoism, you know, Christianity is on there. Um, you know, uh, uh, I mean, there's several others that are there. But whenever you think about that thought of, OK, yeah, all, all these, you know, religions coexisting, all these people of religions coexisting together. I mean, the first answer you could say is, yeah, we do. I mean, that's that's a reality. I mean, I have friends that are of different faiths. You, you, you probably know people that are of different faiths. We all do coexist. But the message goes a little deeper. What the hope was for that was that folks could live together in, in peace, right? no matter what religion they came from or what they were part of, which we know is impossible. That can't happen. can't happen because, man, of the heart. The fact that we're broken up, broken up. And so in turn, what coexist was essentially preaching was, man, it, it wasn't just preaching about these different religions. It was essentially trying to come up with its own religion, right? What is known as secular humanism that, hey, hey, even though, man, we're all broken up people. Hey, as men, we as man, as mankind, we can together come together and and live peacefully. But we know that that's impossible. Because, again, we've got a problem. Got a problem, got a heart problem, a sin, sick soul problem. And the only answer to that problem is Jesus. It's Jesus. He's the only answer. He's the only answer. And so that's why, right, we speak boldly to the exclusivity of Christ, him being the only way, because he's the only answer. Have you come to know the answer today? Do you know? Amen, brother. Amen. If not, man, I encourage you, man, to choose to turn and trust in him. Child of God in here, man, if you've known Christ for a while, man, I pray that we'd respond like Paul responded here. This was, like I said, this was a, a 11 verse sentence that Paul writes to the church at Ephesus praising God for who he is and what he's done in their life and I pray that we would choose to do the same thing would be folks that praise God not just with our lips but with our life for who he is and what he's done said it before I'll say it again may the gospel never become too old news that we neglect and forget what Jesus has done.